Well, here Happy... we are. Happy. Oh, let's do that again. Okay. <laughs> that smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, here we are once again, and uh, it is um, Happy Independence Day, Aaron. Uh, very close to that. That's right. It's too bad we're not meeting in church still, because otherwise I can't put all the American flags in the I sanctuary. Know. And- I just want I just want you to remember that all countries matter. So, um, but <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Exactly. We were getting saucy right at the beginning. I love it. Losing another 10% of our listeners. <laughs> That's Pretty it. Pretty soon there'll be That's none it. left. I know. Whittling it away. Yeah, it is. And I would say to preachers, uh, for the love of everything holy, uh, use this Sunday to talk about the scriptures. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, it, we always tread very softly. We honor the good things that our country stands for, but also as Christians who are people, citizens of a greater kingdom, and who owe our allegiance to Jesus Christ, uh, the King of Kings, first and foremost, we have this wonderful freedom to be able to appreciate the good things about our country, like tacos, and to uh, be critical (laughs) where there are really some concerns. So, Jake is smiling, everybody. Well, I just, I loved that, because nothing says American like a taco (laughs) today, 100%, and uh, you and I are witnesses to that. So, um... Uh, I love it. So yeah, um, you know, I love what um, um, what's his name? Um, Stanley Howard. No, Stanley Howard. Ice Cube. <laughs> Stanley Howard once said. He said, you know, if you take uh, uh, the Fourth of July more seriously in your church than um, Ascension Day, I may have to question its Christianity. So Ooh, anyway, spicy. zinger. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. That's Let's bring a, okay, it back, back to the center. Bring it back to the center. For those listeners that are still with us. Uh, we're going to talk today about the readings uh, appointed for this Sunday on track one. So we're in the book of Genesis, still doing kind of the story of Abraham and Abraham's descendants. Last Sunday, Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac, but then Syke didn't. Uh, and now we jump forward a bunch of chapters and we're going to meet Isaac again, getting a lady. And then we're going to talk about Romans 7 and Matthew 11. So Jake, yep. long Genesis reading. It's mm-hmm. the story of Isaac and how he meets Rebecca. Yeah, it's, it's a wonder. You get introduced to uh, several characters that will be important in the patriarchal story or narrative uh, later on, like Laban. And so um, you're introduced to Laban here. But essentially, this is a story about um, uh, one of Abraham's servants. Uh, church tradition said it was El Eliezer, continued to be El Eliezer, but nobody knows. Uh, but um, basically... Um, uh, Isaac's mom died, and uh, Isaac was uh, heavy at heart because of that. And so, um, and so Abraham sends um, uh, his servant back to his people um, out around the land of Ur to find uh, a wife for his son Isaac. 
And uh, there's this beautiful story here about providence and, you know, the servant coming and saying, whoever's going to give me a drink and um, it's probably going to be the wife. And there the first gal that comes out is the one. And she not only gives the servant a drink, but she waters his camels and uh, she's given a nose ring and a bracelet and uh, the deal is done and uh, takes her back. And there she sees Isaac and she covers herself, you know, because she's very modest and he sees her and he blushes and smiles And then it ends and he says, I love this line, and he loved her. And so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Um, Now, whatever you want to preach on that text, you know, I mean, I, you know, Isaac loved his mother, obviously. But um, the point of this text, I think, is, is, is one, it's a giant narrative. And two, it really illustrates the fact that God is at work. God is at work in every aspect of, um, of our lives. God is at work in the long stories of our lives that seem not to have any purpose at all, but they do have a purpose. And uh, this particular purpose is to bring about the Savior of the world. That's right. So Genesis 12, God promises Abraham that he's going to have a child, and through that child, through his offspring, the whole world will be blessed. And this is how it get, gets worked out. God's plan always gets worked out in things that look really mundane, mm-hmm. like a carpenter from Nazareth, or in this case, uh, doing some ancient Near Eastern matchmaking, the arranged marriage. This is how it worked out. There was nothing really. Sp- I mean, it was sort of cool how Rebecca came out and the servant knew. And but but basically, this was just how you arranged a marriage back in the day. Mm-hmm. You'd go to your people and find a suitable bride and bring her back and get typically married. a cousin. So yeah, I know, and uh, keep it in the family. And so uh, Oedipal. Uh, <laughs> illusions aside and you know very different culture this is just a normal way a couple would meet and get married and this is how god works in the world there are plenty of miraculous Mm -hmm. birth stories isaac himself was a miraculous birth and of course you have jesus's birth narrative this is very not miraculous uh this is just sort of a servant finding a woman and she's great and uh and so through this very mundane quotidian sort of matchmaking thing you have god's plan getting worked out so there's Mm. something there So, and then we come to this amazing passage in Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25, which I just, I I can never seem to relate to, Aaron. So I don't either. I mean, as a pastor, I never have that experience of wanting to do something bad and then trying to not do it and then doing it. I've I've graduated from that. You and I had that problem before seminary, but seminary Mm. cured us of all of that. If there was any remnant, ordination certainly cleared that out. So we speak to you, listener, as... Uh, someone who might have this problem, but we don't. Just yeah, kidding. but I do. I love it. I actually was in a Bible study one time where, um, and this was the moment I took over, where the guy literally said, you know, I've, I don't really relate to Paul here at all. And um, But um, the truth is, is that this is actually where the rubber hits the road. He says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. You know, um, I mean, this is... This is powerful, and Paul begins to talk about what it is to be simultaneously a saint and a sinner. I remember when we were in seminary, uh, the Reverend Dr. Paul Zoll ex- uh, quoted Hannah Arendt, the Swiss philosopher, who, and I will not pass it off like I've read Hannah Arendt because I'm not, <laughs> but he said that she said that in this is an example of Paul, St. Paul discovering or, or putting words to what psychology would later call the subconscious. Paul is talking about the fact that there's some part of us inside that seems to want things that are actually um, 
go against our own best interest, that Paul says that there's something in him that he he, he wants to do good, but there's something in him that doesn't want to do it. Uh, he says, there's nothing good that dwells in me that is in my flesh. If there's uh, this um, human propensity to mess things up, as Francis Bufford says, it's deep down in us. And the, what the Bible calls it is sin. And Paul says it here, sin that dwells within me. But this is the human experience. That there's why do you keep sabotaging your career? Why do you keep self-destructing your relationships? Why can you not break the habits that have dragged you down for years? Paul puts his finger on the pulse of the situation. And it's just, it's the kind of text that lays you bare. And honestly, everybody in your congregation can relate to that unless they're in major denial or delusion. But, and it ends with this wonderful line of Paul saying, who will rescue me from this? And then thanks be to God through our through Jesus Christ our Lord. It ends with the right note. Christianity is a realization of one's own inability to fix oneself and mm. then casting oneself on Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think uh, that's a beautiful way of putting it. You know, and I, I mean, I love this. It's like not only it's not only the the things that St. Paul does, but the things that he knows he should be doing that he's not doing. Um, you know, it's it's everything here. And uh, And so every time you've ever wondered, like, why did I do this? Why did I do that? You know? Um, you know why, uh, because uh, even though you agree with the law, there is something else at work in you. There is something it, extremely rebellious that uh, it, it, needs to be put to death. There's, uh, I'm, I'm struck by the number of examples we're seeing recently because of the issues that are happening around racism in this country and the ubiquity of cell phones and we can capture everything on video. What's fascinating is about a lot of these interactions recently of people that, you know, they're called Karens, often well, white women who take it upon themselves to criticize people of color about some inappropriate behavior in public, whether it was the CEO of the cosmetic company in California that talked about a guy who was tried to address a guy who was stenciling Black Lives Matter in front of his house. Uh, the Central Park situation of the lady who uh, criticized the black man who criticized her for walking a dog off a leash. All these examples, and there's lots of videos out there of things like this. What is amazing to me is how many times after this happens and the videos go viral is that the women that are depicted, and there's, I mean, men could do this too. I'm sure there's examples out there. Uh, as a man, I know I have done things later that I regret. So, But my point is, all the uh, what I find fascinating is how the women in these videos say... This doesn't represent what I think or who I am. I'm, I look at this video and I'm horrified. And I'm disgusted about what I see. And clearly I have a lot of work to do. And if you've ever been that person who has something come out of you that you didn't know was there, then you need to spend more time with St. Paul in Romans 7 because the Christian view of the human heart is what Paul says here. There is nothing good that dwells in me. And um, what you can, if you understand this part of you, you then have the freedom maybe to look at the parts of yourself, the mm. nasty, dark, dank basement parts of yourself that you've not looked at before. So um, yeah. you can uh, maybe, because, and then you, you, you won't, because if the more you repress that and the more you f f um, choose, or maybe it's an unchosen thing, the more you fail to look within the, the black abyss of your heart, the more chance that you'll have something like this come out because you're not aware, but because of Christianity, which correctly diagnoses the problem and the grace and the love that you know you have, no matter how dark your heart is, you can then have the freedom to look within and say, Lord, I need some help. Yeah, that's a, that's, I mean, I think that's very powerful. And I think the more you, um, 
actually deny um, deny the darkness within you, uh, the greater it is, and uh, the um, the um, I mean the greater propensity for it to really come out and for you to act out. Um, yeah. And so um, it is it is the idea that we are basically good, which is a real problem. And uh, Christianity begins with the premise that um, we're basically not that good. So. Mm -hmm. mm. That's right. That's right. Well, and so now we turn to the one that Paul mentioned and said, thanks be to God for Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we now turn to Christ and see him speaking in Matthew 11. Uh, this um, statement that he makes and he, about uh, because he Jesus has been criticized. He has been criticized for being a friend of sinners, for being loose with ethics, for being flexible with the rules, for playing fast and loose with the law. And Jesus was always getting criticized for eating with the wrong people and going easy on Sabbath breakers and stuff like that, even being a Sabbath breaker himself. And so he says, look, my cousin, John the Baptist, came and he was really hard on the law. There's been no one harder on the law. And you guys thought he was possessed. Now I come and I'm loose with the law, so you say. I'm a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And you don't like me either, which is why he quotes this proverb, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. So then we wailed. We played a sad song. We played all the cure and Morrissey back to back. And, and, but even then, you didn't mourn. So when we were happy, you didn't like it. When we mourned, you didn't like it. So Because you don't want to hear what God has to say to you. Yeah, and I think uh, and that, that really uh, moves into Jesus' prayer um, and that he, uh, that he prays. And, and this is a very powerful prayer, um, and, it is, and it's a prayer for people who know who they actually are. You see, uh, we, we don't like uh, when God speaks. We don't like when God speaks through his law, which says, uh, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, who could, who could possibly do that? You know what I mean? He didn't really mean that. And we don't like it when uh, Jesus comes to us with, the, God comes to us with his gospel and your sins are forgiven. You know what I mean? What do you mean I'm forgiven? I don't need that. You know what I mean? But to those of us who have an appalling understanding of anthropology, look at that big word, um, you know, from Romans chapter seven, I do the thing, I do not understand my own actions. Who will rescue me from this body of death? You know, the world sees that and says, that is foolish. That is ridiculous uh, to talk like that. It's so negative. And Jesus here says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you've revealed them to infants not innocent people, but infants, needy people. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And I mean, that is the powerful thing, is that the truth of the gospel, the, the meaning of God's gift in your life um, is revealed when you finally come to the end of your rope, the end of your own wisdom and strength. That's right. And so Jesus is saying there's a category of people who think they're so wise that they're not going to listen to a stern disciplinarian like John the Baptist. And there's people that think they're so wise, they're not going to listen to somebody who seems to be a little bit looser with the law and is maybe having a good time like Jesus. And, and, there's and he a, says, yeah. neither, neither of those categories, uh, the, what you need to be is not a wise person who judges these divine messages. 
You need to be an infant, someone who needs help, someone who needs complete and total care from another person. You cannot care for yourself. And so you receive this word from God. And the, 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 quali- the qualification that you need to have in order to come to Jesus, is, he says it in verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and he- carrying heavy burdens. Mm. That's, that's who the invitation is for. Yeah. And so unless you see yourself as that, if you see yourself as strong, energetic, the spiritual equivalent of a Red Bull, um, an upstanding citizen, you're you're gonna either um, reject you're gonna reject the message, whether it's John the Baptist or it's Jesus, you're gonna reject it. it you're yeah. only only when you get to the place of being weary can you receive it. Yeah, and this is why the Karens in all of us don't don't get it. You know what I mean? The Karens in yep. all of us um, feel like we have something to say, feel like we have something to correct. And so, but um, when you can get out of that, um, boy, and, and you just look out, look out at the world with the eyes of Jesus right now and your own inability to fix it, um, but the world is throwing that burden on you, well, um, now you're ready to come to Jesus. Mm. Yeah, and one last thing. Uh, Sometimes in this verse 29 where it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. Um, I've heard preachers take that and say, you know, a yoke is something that joins two animals together, and uh, so you need to be in partnership with Jesus. Yeah, thank you for correcting me. And, you know, you got to do your part too, which is completely not the point of this passage. Um, because uh, what, what he's saying is, if you put my yoke on you, basically, I do the, I do the heavy lifting. Um, yeah. You are no equal to Jesus. Uh, and the point here is not that you guys are in a 50-50 partnership and you work together to plow the in field. In step. <laughs> that's right. Um, he says, I'm, and that's why he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, because he's doing all the work. Mm. That's the point. Um, God is a very bad farmer, because if you're a good farmer or, or plowman, plow person, you put two animals together that are the same strength. Otherwise, your plow is going to be going in circles all over the field. You're going to have crop circles and think you're aliens who farm in your land. So um, that's a good farmer puts things that are matched in the yoke. Mm. This, but Jesus is a bad farmer, but thank God, because uh, I need someone else to pull this because I've been pulling it for a long time. And, I and the truth it. is, as a result, we're constantly going in circles until we finally die and see him face to face. You know yep. what I mean? Thank God for the bad farmer, Jesus. So um, it's good news for you and me. So, well, uh, Aaron, good seeing you. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Until next week, we'll see you uh Keep listening, keep preaching, and I just botched that up. But anyway, God bless you, and so see you soon. Don't touch your face, preach the gospel. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.